So, uh, like Kristen mentioned and James uh, before her, uh, we're going to continue a little kind of subset of talks that we've sprinkled throughout the year. It started with our CTF crew uh, back in January, kicking this whole thing off for us. And we actually had something a little different planned for today. We had our CTF Sunday planned. Uh, But coming out of camp, we had uh, some COVID cases, and so uh, in an effort to make sure that that didn't grow beyond uh, what's already there, uh, we decided to call a little bit of an audible. We're going to move CTF Sunday back to next Sunday, and so today we decided to pick up the uh, Written on Your Heart series. And just a quick reminder before Matt goes of of what the purpose of these talks are. Um, So we believe that, that we, as the body of Christ, are a kingdom of priests. So it doesn't fall to one person within the church to carry and advance the gospel message. It's not just the senior pastor's job. It's not just the pastoral staff's job or the, you know, the other staff within the church. It is all of our responsibility. If you have made Jesus Lord of your life, then you are a part of the Great Commission. The responsibility is just as much yours as it is mine. Now, it does say in the Scripture that um, that uh, pastors and people like that will be kind of held to a higher standard, and so there's something in that, but the responsibility ultimately is for all of us to shine the light for Christ that attracts people from the world to that, to then change their life and and uh, and live something differently. So I feel like it's important at the beginning of this to make sure that that's known, that this isn't just a talk of, hey, here's something that's happening. This is a disciple, a Christian, who's lived his life and made the commitment to live his life for Christ. And so again, we could call you to come and give this talk. And there's a decent chance that over the years we will do that. And so the scripture also calls us to be ready to give an account for why we believe what we believe. And so if you get that call, be prepared to respond. Okay. Um, and again, specifically for these talks, we're looking to uh, just help us remember God's power to transform us through the scripture. The scripture is living and active. Um, and then also to encourage us to let that happen on a heart level. That as the Scripture, as we read and we consider, we study the Scripture, we let the Holy Spirit do His thing within us, that produces change in our lives. And so again, we present Matt today as one of those people who have been changed to share how the Scripture has done that for him. So let me say a prayer for him and then I'll let him take over. Uh, God, thank you for this man. Thank you for his commitment. Uh, Thank you for the life he lives loving you and loving your people. I pray that you'd fill him now with the Holy Spirit, empty him of himself to speak to us, to draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, John. So like John said, for those of you who don't know, my name is Matt Garga. Any of our jam kiddos, that's uh, our Jesus and me. Uh, We're going to dismiss you guys now. um, And that's our children's ministry for our visitors who didn't know. Sorry to interrupt. You're good. I definitely would have forgot that. So, Um, yeah, so like I said, my name is Matt uh, or Matthew Garriga. My wife and I attest that we've been consistent members here at Northeast for a little over a year, but uh, I've been involved for a lot longer than that. Uh, I found CTF when I was in high school. CTF is our teen ministry, for those of you who don't know. 
Um, and so I'm, today I'm going to continue the Written on Our Heart series. A lot of what I'm going to be sharing today is, is stuff that I've learned through my walk with Christ, um, stuff that I've learned from people a lot smarter than I am. Um, but who I am today is because of different people in this room. And I want to specifically point out Tyler Marble, who spent hours and hours with me as a teen, who has shown me what it looks like to respond to the invitation that God gives us. And so that's, he's a big testament to who I am today and why I'm up here, because I wouldn't be here without CTF, simply wouldn't. Um, and, and so today I'm going to be talking over Romans 12.2, which, which has been written on my heart. So if you have your Bible with you in some form or fashion, um, please turn there with me. That's Romans 12.2. I'll give you just a second. So I am going to be reading out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. Uh, I typically don't read out of here, but I think it captures just the message that I want to get, um, get across to you today. It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm going to read that again. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so just the structure of what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to, we're going to kind of break this first down piece by piece, and then we're going to talk about how it ministered to me. And so when we're breaking it down piece by piece, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I want this to be interactive. I want the audience to speak up. So if I ask a question, feel free to shout it out, shout out an answer. Don't, don't hesitate. And the first part of this scripture just talks about not copying the behaviors and the customs of this world. And yeah, this was written, um, you know, almost 2,000 years ago. So it's Paul is talking to the Romans here, and he says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Um, but I think the Bible is written ambiguously enough where we can still apply that today. And so what are some behaviors and customs of the world today? I want to hear from you guys. Go ahead. Yeah. Sexual morality. I would just say in general, comfortability, like you, know, you do what comfortable That's good. Comfortability. Isolation. Isolation. Greed. Huh? Productivity. That's a good one. Gossip. Those are all really good answers. Um, you know, I have a few things written down here, and you guys hit on, hit on all of them. But why, why might God want us to not copy these behaviors and customs? What did you say, John? Hurts other people. They're not where his kingdom is going to be. That's good, Justin. Hurts us. They take God out of his rightful place. That's really good. Maybe one more. It's not life-giving. That's really good, and I and I want to I want to touch on that a little bit. We were, like John said, we were at CTF camp last week, um, and Ronnie, the guy who started planted our our family of churches, he spoke on the last night of camp. He talked to these teens about coming down from the mountains. So when we go up to to camp, we go to Sacramento, New Mexico. We're in this we're in the Valley of Two Mountains. It's a beautiful place. There's this tradition of encountering God in the mountains, right? So these kids have a life changing week, and they have to come back to um, back to their homes, back to their schools, and Ronnie just kind of just put a vision on their heart saying, um, the real world is a cheap knockoff. Yeah. 
So I think God doesn't want us to copy the world because it's a cheap knockoff. That's what it is. What we do up there is real. People say, oh, you got to come back to the real world now. you got to come back to reality. No, that is real. What we do here on Sunday morning is a glimpse of heaven. This is real. So I don't, I don't think God wants us to copy the behaviors and customs of this world because it's not real. Simply put, God doesn't want us to copy these behaviors because he offers us a better way. At CTF in the fall, we had a sermon series called A Better Way, which we essentially just brought various people in and, t- and asked them to, to provide scripture and backing to a better way than o- things that the world offers. So just to highlight a few of them, a better way than pride is humility. Better way than anger and resentment is forgiveness. A better way than partying is learning to have genuine fun. A better way than laziness and apathy is intentionality. A better way than lust and sexual morality is purity and relation. A better way than gossip and negativity is building each other up. I mean, Ephesians 4.29 says that. At the end of the day, the world trains us to live in a way that dishonors God. And God doesn't want us to copy that because anything that dishonors God is a knockoff of something that honors him. And so the next part of this verse talks about letting God transform you by the way you think. How do you think God transforms you? How, or how has God transformed you? Let me ask you that. just want a few of you to, to shout out there. Shapes your desires. That's good. More patient. Changes your mindset. It's really good. Through scripture. Yeah, I want to I want to dive deeper on this changing your mindset. How do we think that God changes our mindset? How do we think that God actually changes our thoughts? I think he lets you hit a rock bottom and then he's there for you. Yeah. That's good. I think it's like, you know, you have to be around the right people and right community and have mm-hmm. you just like challenge it all the time. Like, you're the wrong yeah, it's true. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. You know, there's a saying that you're going to be like the five closest friends, or you're going to you're going to end up being like the five closest people to you. So who you surround yourself with impacts you a lot. Maybe two or three more. Yeah, through relationship with him, learning his heart. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> Okay, that one's going to be hard to follow. So, um, I think I think that God transforms us through our thoughts, like the Scripture says, um, by offering us a better way, but then commanding us to think about that better way. So, Philippians four eight says, "Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable," and it goes on. Think on such things. All right. So God God tells us these are the better ways to go, and then tells us to think about them. Um, Ashley Obergon, I'm not sure if she's here this morning, but she said something at camp uh, in her sermon and said, you can't be negative when you're thankful. And so if you're thankful, if you're thinking on what's right, pure, noble, all those things, it really transforms you from the inside out. I think God also changes us through encounters with him. Um, our, our, I'm, I'm talking about CTF camp a lot, but I just came from there. The theme for Wiley was new creation. And so we talked about various stories in the Bible that you can't walk away from an encounter with Jesus the same. I mean, to name a few, woman at the well, woman caught in adultery, Zacchaeus, Lazarus, man of tomb, Mary Magdalene. I mean, I could go on. These people encountered Jesus and didn't walk away the same, right? So I think God transforms us through encounters with him. 
Second um, Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, then a new creation has come. The old is gone; the new is here." So I think God transforms us in in various ways, but this one specifically talks about our thoughts. And then, why do you guys think that God wants to renew us? Why do you think He wants to transform our thoughts? Because He loves us. Mm hmm. And desires all men everywhere to be saved and we're living in his word and doing what he calls us to do while that happens. Said like a pastor would. Yeah. And most importantly, though, you know, you'll have to be all the time by the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. Maybe one more. I'm sorry, what'd you say? He knows what's best for us. Yeah, and he wants to show us what's best for us, right? I think that God wants to renew us, to show us his will for us. I mean, this scripture answers itself. You know, Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so we can't hear God if we aren't listening. We can't say God's not talking if we're not spending time trying to listen for him. Yeah. And now, why, why is this written on my heart? Why, why is this verse talked to me a lot in my life? Um, there's, there's a couple reasons. So when I first started walking with God, I was, I was meeting with a mentor, and he told me to um, start memorizing scripture. So there was a group of us, there's four or five of us, and he would take us out to dinner if we... All of us had a quiet time every single day, and we memorized the verse that we were going to memorize for this week. So you can guess that five teenage guys never went out to dinner. <laughs> um, but this, I feel, like I, I feel like that was very transformative in my faith because I feel closest to God when I am memorizing Scripture. Scripture pops into my head in applicable situations. And then Romans 12, 2 has been there from the start because that was probably the first verse he told me to memorize. And so I'm thankful for Alan and his faithfulness to God um, to bring five reckless teenagers into his house once a week and offer to buy us dinner that he never followed through on. <laughs> uh, the second reason is that I think it captures a big picture. There's, there's two verses in the New Testament, specifically in Romans, that really capture a big, big picture here. Um, and Romans 12.2 captures the interpersonal mission this response to the gospel, right? And what is this gospel invitation we're given? It's given to us in Romans 6.23. And we'll break that down real quick. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what does that mean? Um, for the wages of sin is death. So we can, we can equate the word wages to cost, right? The, wage, the cost of sin. What is sin? Sin is going against God, missing the mark, right? Anything that goes against or contradicts the word of God. So we can say the cost of going against God, going against his word, is death. What is death? It's eternal separation from God. This isn't some worldly death we're talking about. This is eternity. And so this gospel invitation says, for the, the cost of going against God is death, but there's, there's this gift, right? The gift of God is eternal life of Christ Jesus our Lord. So if I wanted to give you a gift, you only have two options, right? You can take it or you can leave it. There's no middle ground. You're not going to pay me for half of it and then get the half back later. No, you're going to take it fully or you're not going to take it at all. And that's the way it is with God. We're 0% in or we're 100% in. There's nothing in the middle. And that's the good news. It really is. 
We can't say I'm halfway in the world, halfway in God. No, if you've made Jesus your Lord, you are 100% in with God, and then your life needs to reflect that. So we can say that the cost of going against the Word of God is eternal separation from God, but the gift, take it or leave it, is life in heaven paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ on our cross, or on his cross. And so Romans 12.2 was a response to Romans 6.23 in the sense that we've been given a gospel invitation. Romans 12.2 then tells us this is how you live out the gospel. And that's why it's ministered to me so much. It's taught me to reject my flesh. It's taught me that there's a better way. Romans 12.2 is recited in my life and many times, especially when I wanted to tell my parents I knew better. When I wanted to look at porn again after I told God the last time was gonna be the previous time was gonna be my last. When I wanted to drag someone's name through the dirt that made me angry. When I was playing college basketball and I was overridden with stress. When I was mad at my coach for not giving me the playing time I thought I deserved. When I wanted to shut down because my anxiety was too much. When I thought I wasn't good enough. And that's when Romans 12.2 has built me up. But Romans 12.2 has also driving me to do many things. It drives me to bring the kingdom wherever I go. Kylie Sanchez gave a sermon at camp, and, and she was talking about evangelism. And I just wanted to share a quote from her. She said, if you, you don't get to say yes to Jesus if your plan isn't to bring his kingdom everywhere you go. So Romans 12.2 drives me to do that. Romans 12.2 drives me to work hard at my career. I think Christians should be the best doctors, engineers, teachers, accountants, professors, sales rep, insurance agents, contractors, construction workers, consultants, whatever it looks like. I think Christians should be the best because God has commanded us to be. Colossians 3.23. Go look it up. Romans 12.2 has taught me to work hard at home. A dear friend of mine gave me a book called Kingdom Man. Um, and in this book, Tony Evans talked about the second shift. And the second shift isn't, it's, it's when you come home from work, right? So it's that transition you take from work to home. It's not you get to come home and crack a beer and sit on the couch. No, it's you get to go home and love your family. And you get to take care of your belongings and your pets and your children and your cars, and whatever it looks like, you know, God has entrusted you with all of those things. And so Romans 12.2 drives me to work hard at home. Romans 12.2 drives me to take care of my belongings because all of it belongs to God. Romans 12.2 drives me to do ministry. I wouldn't be here today if somebody didn't share the gospel with me. I wouldn't be here today if countless people in this room and in different states across the country didn't spend hours with me, teaching me these things, loving me well. And so that's what it drives me to do. I want these kids in CTF, and I was part of FCA in college, I want them to know that the world is a cheap knockoff a lot earlier than life than I did. Romans 12.2 drives me to pursue sanctification. Drives me, drives me to forgive when I don't want to forgive. And it drives me to sacrifice for the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for loving us so well. For your grace and your mercy in our lives. We couldn't make up a better God. I pray that you come work in our hearts, in our minds, and help us to die to our flesh daily. I pray that we learn not to copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but I pray you transform us through our thoughts. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to you. God, we love you, and we know you love us. Amen.